Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And as you know, if you heard the last episode last week, we are taking the last two weeks off of the year, and so we are not getting any new content, unfortunately, out to you guys this week. But we are re-releasing another episode that was very popular, actually. It had a lot of downloads, but we think it was really interesting and really cool information, and we think that if you missed it, you definitely want to hear it. And if you didn't miss it, you might want to listen to it again because it's kind of a complicated topic anyway. This is episode 71 from July 6, 2020, and it is titled How Blockchain Can Work for Seafood with Henry Innes of GoChain and Paul Keefe of GAA, now GSA. We're re-releasing this because we really think that this is, you know, the future. And uh, I think it's still a hot topic in the industry and in every industry. And um, I think you guys can get something out of it. And I think you'd enjoy it. And If people missed it, we want to make sure they get a chance to hear what Henry and Paul have to say about this. So before we replay that episode for you, I want to remind everybody, as I always do, to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen so you can get every new episode, what? Directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it's available. Follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod. And as I always say, if you want to contact us, we do want to hear from you. If we're making it super easy, go to globalseafood.org slash podcast and fill out the contact form. That's right. And lastly, if you missed the holidays and you want to give us a little, we celebrate Christmas here at the Aquademia Podcast. If you want to give us a late Christmas present, we would love it if you take the time to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts, especially if you're using Apple Podcasts, because that will help that algorithm work us into some of these charts and get in front of more potential listeners, grow the community and spread the word of sustainable responsible seafood. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everybody has a fantastic new year, ready to turn the page on this chapter and start afresh in 2022. We will talk to you next year. Ciao. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today we are venturing out of our normal topics. And we're into talking cyberspace. About, we're talking about something that the three of us are not super comfortable with. At least we weren't in the beginning, but now I think we feel pretty good about it. A topic that is starting to be brought up a lot in conversations in the seafood industry. And it's all about blockchain. Blockchain. It's all about blockchain and blockchain is a traceability database solution really that I'm not even going to really get into it because I'll get lost and you might as well just listen to the episode to learn about what it is and how it works. But we brought on Henry Innes, who is the CEO of a company called GoChain, which has created a blockchain software as well as a traceability software called GoTrace. And we also have Paul Keefe, who is the software engineering manager here at GAA, who knows a whole lot about blockchain and how it works. So we brought two big brains in that know this topic really well, since the three of us don't know too much about it and just had an awesome conversation and learned a whole lot. Yeah, I feel like we really couldn't have had two better people to come on and talk about this topic. Both of them have extensive experience with this and blockchain kind of came about about 10-ish years ago, and both of them have been working for it, working with it for multiple years. So they are truly experts on this subject. And I feel like the best part of getting experts on the show is that they're able to distill complex information, especially like something like blockchain, into something that the average person can understand. And I consider myself definitely an average person when it comes to technology stuff. Yeah, I consider myself below average. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good a good segue, Maddie, to what what you're gonna hear in this in this episode is you know you'll walk away with a better understanding of blockchain, how it's a secure technology, and important for a lot of industries, but specifically the seafood industry and how consumers are really looking for looking to learn more about where their seafood comes from and making sure that the seafood that they're buying is actually the seafood that they're buying. And right. this is a way that you can feel confident that what you're reading or what you're using QR code for, whatever it is, is actually it. You know, this is good for everyone, consumers, restaurants. You know, if a chef says this is this is the seafood that you're eating and this is how I know it is, this is this is it. Totally. It sounds like it's complicated and intimidating, but believe me, after listening to this episode, you'll feel a lot more comfortable with it. So sit down, relax, listen to this episode, and then talk to us later. Let us know what you think about it. We will talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. Uh, we're sitting down with Henry Innes, who is the CEO of GoChain, and Paul Keefe, who is the software engineering manager at GAA. Is that correct? That's correct. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. We are getting very techie today, which is out of the wheelhouse for Justin, Maddie, and myself. It's a world that we don't live in, that we're not too comfortable in, but it's a world that is getting a lot of traction here in the seafood industry. And we're going to be talking about blockchain today. You know, we I think we have the two best guys that could possibly talk to us about this on this show. But before we get into that, I want to go through each of you, give us a quick rundown of kind of who you are, where you came from, and how you got to doing what you're doing now. Uh, Henry, let's start with you since you're our, our guest from outside of GAA. And then Paul, we'll, we'll get to you at some point whenever we, <laughs> whenever we run out of stuff to talk about. Sure. Just well, kidding. Uh, Love you, Paul. <laughs> uh, well, it's, uh, it's great to be here with all of you. Um, so yeah, in terms of background, uh, I have a, a little over 20 years of professional experience. Um, started out really on the management consulting side, doing uh, Fortune 500 consulting. Um, then moved into uh, more uh, corporate, traditional corporate finance, uh, M&A transactions. Uh, so uh, kind of mergers and acquisitions, uh, doing uh, selling companies primarily. Um, then moved into more of the venture world. So spent a good chunk of time uh, doing direct investments for um, what they call uh, late seed or Series A early stage tech investing. Um, doing that for some time in a variety of different sectors. And then more recently, um, with uh, sort of as blockchain really then distributed ledger started to really take on, um, I really jumped from the investing side, moved into the entrepreneurial sphere, and, and been doing you know blockchain ever since. And so right now um, I'm running a company called GoChain. So and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about uh, more about GoChain as uh, the podcast continues. So yeah, we'll definitely get into it. Paul, can you give us uh, your quick backstory so listeners know who they're listening to? Sure. I've been developing software for a very long time, long before the internet existed. <laughs> but um, I uh, came up through the internet. Basically, I started by building my own music software, and I tried to sell that for a little bit. And there wasn't much of an industry at that time. Um, so from there, I started consulting for different companies. I've consulted for um, Department of Defense and you know big contractors like that, as well as um, nonprofits and so forth. 
And uh, eventually I wound up at the Global Agriculture Alliance, where I now manage a software team that builds all our web products. And you have a familiarity with Go, with um, not with GoChain, maybe, but with blockchain. That's because, right. And we, we know this because Paul gave us a quick little demonstration of how blockchain works over a year ago, right? Wasn't that? Yeah, it's was almost it, two years ago now, I think. Was that in the old office? Yes. You did that? Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. It doesn't seem that long ago. But yeah, so we got a, a taste of how it works. But um, I, I think you did a really good job of explaining to people kind of what blockchain is and how it works. Can you give us like a, a quick little rundown of that? And then uh, I want to talk about how GoChain is using that technology. So Paul, can you get, sure. give us a little explanation of blockchain, what it is and how it works? Yeah, it's always a little difficult to sort of distill it down into a few simple terms, as I'm sure Henry can point out. <laughs> um, oh, we have a full hour to talk about this. So you're, you're... thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we did a um, an example a couple of years ago, which um, Sean was just pointing out. Um, and that was something I called the selfie blockchain. And what we did was we all sat in a large circle, the entire company, or I don't know, 25, 30 of us at the time. And um, we started with one person taking a selfie of them themselves on their phone, on their iPhone, I think it was, then handing that phone to the next person. And the next person held that phone up next to their face when they took a selfie so that the original selfie was incorporated into their picture. And then the person passed it on to the next person. That person took a selfie. And then now there were two other people incorporated into um, that same photo. And basically what we did is we built a big, long chain that has um, what we would really call a hash in the blockchain industry, but basically a representation of the record before it, which is the picture that was taken right before the picture you just took. And the cool thing about what happens in this, you know, at least using my explanation, was um, that whenever you take a photo, your photo also gets disseminated across a whole bunch of different computers. It goes up into Facebook and it goes up into Instagram and it goes up into whatever else you particularly use, Dropbox, whatever it is. And so it also ends up on many, many computers all over the world. So if someone comes along and they want to hack it, and they want to change something that happened in that selfie blockchain. Let's say you have 30 pictures and they want to change the third picture in. Well, they have to not only change that picture and all its representations on many, many computers all over the world, then they also have to change all the ones that came after it to match. And so the blockchain kind of works like that. That's sort of how it secures itself. Um, you can make a change. To make a change, you have to get a consensus with all the machines that are in this network. Um, well, I should say 50% of the machines that are in the network. And um, if you have a consensus, you can make a change. But you know that makes it extremely hard for someone to come in and just hack it and, and make a change. It has happened. There are some people that know how to go about editing uh, blockchains, but um, I'd say that, that the ease of doing that is nearly gone today. So there were a few people in the beginning, uh, the Ethereum network was one of them that got hacked and so forth. Um, but at this point, the data is very, very secure because it is really hard for you to get in there and edit any one of those blocks and, and then try to edit all the other blocks and get a consensus and all that. It's very difficult. And that's because so of like the wide range of devices or computers that 
have all that information stored, right? So it's not like you can simply go into and ch- you can try to change characteristics of it through one computer, but if there's not a consensus through every other machine that's working on that chain, it doesn't change. That's exactly <laughs> that, right. Okay. Well, that's exactly right, though, because you know it's a decentralized system. So there's no one computer you can go to and you can say, "Hey." you change this data for me and then replicate that all over the world? You can't do that. So you have to go to all these different computers and convince them that they need to change their data to match yours. And it's very difficult to do. So it's basically a way to store data and information in a super secure way. That's Boil it down to one sentence. I remember when you did this with us, Paul, and it was like... I've heard the word blockchain so many times and never had any inkling as to what it actually meant. But then once you did this, now the idea of blockchain is forever ingrained in my head because of that <laughs> selfie blockchain that we did. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And it's one of those kind of things. Whenever you, you can uh, get people to participate, their knowledge level goes up quickly. And their, and like you said, their memory of it, um, yeah, they retain it a lot better. Henry, do you would you add anything else to that? Are you comfortable with that explanation? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a it's important way to describe it because uh, so much about this industry is about education, and mm-hmm. uh, as Maddie you just pointed out, there's so many different buzzwords, right? And you keep hearing all this stuff, and uh, at least uh, anecdotally in our experiences, everyone, well, not everyone, many people attribute this industry to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And so it, it takes time to kind of uh, bifurcate the two. And, um, you know, Paul's example, I think, gives everyone a nice visual representation of, of what it's like. Uh, obviously, we have our own uh, definition. Uh, we try to distill it and, and, and simplify it as much as we can as well. But, yeah, w- whatever works so people understand that it, it's sort of a unique data structure and, and a way to securely store data across a decentralized network. Paul, when you were doing the selfie thing, I, I, it reminds me of, like, when you see those threads of like one celebrity wearing a shirt with a picture of another celebrity <laughs> and then that celebrity wears a shirt with that picture on it and then they go back and forth until there's like a million pictures on each one of their shirts. A physical kind blockchain. Of thing, right? Yeah, physical <laughs> blockchain. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty that's, wonderful example, actually. Yeah, that's it's where my mind went immediately, which is hilarious. Maybe we should do that at work. We should just get pictures of each other and put it on, put it on his shirts. That sounds um, pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, how how does this fit into the seafood industry? What I mean, I think I think when a lot of people hear this this explanation and they get a grasp on how it works, it's going to be like really exciting. And they say, "How can I get in on this?" But what's the application for it in our industry in seafood? So, yeah, you know, if I take a step back, right? So, and obviously we're talking about seafood today, but it really applies to almost anything that you're uh, sourcing is that I think people want to understand the origin, right? Where did this particular product come from? Um, was it ethically and uh, uh, sustainably sourced? Um, they want to know the quality and the authentication. And I think if you talk about the current environment right now, we're talking about food assurance, um, food security. Um, and I think uh, specifically when we're talking about proteins or seafood, people want to know uh, really, is this the seafood that I'm paying this money for? Is it real? Where did it come from? And I think even some people want to understand uh, to the granularity of who caught this fish, right? What's their story? And I, so I think that there's just a, a growing trend in culture right now that people really want that transparency when it comes to 
the products that they're purchasing or in this case, the food that they're consuming. Yeah. And we've talked about a, a lot of different transparency type things that people are trying to implement. Uh, you know, we've talked about Ideal Fish with their gill tags. Henry, you may not be familiar with that, but we we interviewed folks at a, at a farm called whose fantasy football is going yeah, on. I was going to say MLB <laughs> is starting uh, in the middle of July. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was me. That was my ESPN app right there. So yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> Um, oh, that actually gave me goosebumps because it means maybe sports is happening. <laughs> I know it's getting the itch. Um, <laughs> we we interviewed uh, some folks at a recirculating aquaculture farm called Ideal Fish, and one thing that they're doing is they're putting little tags on the gills of all their fish that they process and and ship out, and it has a QR code, which when you scan the QR code shows you the hatchery it came from down to all the, the tank that it was in, um, yep. which is cool, but it's very isolated. You know, it's one, like this is one farm that uses one hatchery, really. So it's easy to get that traceability. There's not a lot of steps that you need to, to track. And that's, fish is not necessarily being bought by someone in, you know, Costco. It could be purchased by a restaurant or a chef or something. So the actual consumer won't be able to check that traceability. It's whoever buys that specific fish in that form. So obviously not foolproof, but I think there's a lot of different ways that the seafood industry is trying to tackle this traceability issue because it is becoming really, really important. Paul, we're doing something different. We're not using blockchain at GAA right now, correct? To help with our traceability stuff. Can you talk about the the SCT a little bit? I'm sure. So we used blockchain to build a um, a traceability system just as a sort of um, trial run, like a pilot, just to see, you know, what would happen if we did. So I did build a blockchain and we did use it and it was cool. But what we learned from that um, experience and a lot of the experiences we've had with traceability um, systems is that uh, putting costs into the supply chain is not viewed (laughs) as a positive thing from those in the supply chain. So what do you mean by that? I mean, that if we say, okay, we found this great traceability software and we would like you to use it because it's going to help us do what we do and so on and so forth, they're going to kick back and say, well, we're already using some product to trace ourselves and you're adding another product on top that we have to worry about. So us being the sort of arbiters of what, you know, software people should be using within their companies is is not right. It's not going to work. So. The reason why we're not building anything on blockchain ourselves at the moment is because what we're trying to, what we're looking at doing is being more the verifiers of data so that companies can use the traceability software they need to use that they think would be best for their uh, particular um, supply chain. And then um, we'll connect to them through an API where they can just give us some of that transactional data that we need to look at to build out things like the SCT that you were just just um, mentioning. So that's the supply chain transparency application. And that application um, allows us to look at um, how many metric tons are flowing through supply chains and, and better understand that for our different customers. And so to get data now, a lot of the data that we rely on, of course, is through our audits, because we audit against our standards, but we would like to turn it up you know, to the point where it's really transactional and we can see what's happening on every transaction without us having to tell you what software to use to do that. So instead, we're just going to build an API, if that makes sense. (laughs) 
I hope I said yeah. that clearly. Probably yeah. made sense for to two fifths of the. Yeah, yeah. I guess the I think, API, I think Henry got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The API, this application programming interface, is kind of a, a name you hear or an acronym you hear thrown around a lot, and it's I'm sure confusing to a lot of people. They're like, "What's an API? Why do they keep saying API over and over?" But basically, it's just a connection of our systems, our databases, and so forth to your systems. So if you're a a plant, let's say, and you're using some software to trace um, the product that you're purchasing from farms, you know, you can send us those transactions through the API. And that software could be a blockchain software. That's right. And in most cases, I think you're going to see that it is going to be. There's no doubt in my mind that the future of um, supply chain transparency, meaning in the actual supply chain, is going to be based on um, using blockchain traceability applications. Gotcha. So let's talk about one of those softwares. Let's talk about GoChain. All right. Henry, can you can you give us a rundown of GoChain and kind of how that got started and what you guys what you do and what you offer? Yeah. No. Let me give you yeah give you an overview and then I uh, definitely want to circle back to some of the comments that Paul made because I think it's uh it's really important and germane actually to one of our products that we just launched. Uh, so so in terms of uh, uh, GoChain, so obviously GoChain, we're a blockchain technology company. And one of the great challenges, and I'm sure Paul will, will agree with this, is that when we're talking about blockchains, it's a wonderful innovation, wonderful tool. But there are some challenges when it comes to blockchains, uh, particularly around three areas. Um, and for any blockchain, you're going to have to deal with this. Uh, one is the level of scalability. Uh, one is the security and really the level of decentralization. So there's a sort of a, a, a sort of a tension or struggle amongst these three different variables. And depending on how uh, Paul mentioned earlier, this notion of consensus. So how blockchains add that next block or agree to add that next block, um, what kind of uh, the validator or mining network it's using to process all these blocks, these all have implications on how blockchains are set up in the type of blockchain that one is able to deploy. And more specifically, what type of use case that blockchain may be applicable for. And so uh, GoChain was, had basically was developing all of this in mind really to drive adoption and specifically enterprise ad- adoption. So for our protocol, we believe we've sort of struck that right balance amongst these three, what we call the, the blockchain trilemma. Uh, between security, you can't compromise on that. So it needs to be highly secure. Um, needs to be scalable, right? So there's a lot of blockchains out there right now that really just, they aren't scalable. So that's a major problem when it comes to cost and adoption. Can you then, explain what that means a little bit before we get too far? Sure. Um, so there's there's blockchains out there right now, but because the way it reaches certain consensus or the way it reaches that adding that next block, it may be very expensive, actually. It may require a lot of computing uh, power, have a really high carbon or energy footprint, and it may take a really long time. Uh, so if you're, you want adoption and you want to be able to process transactions, but if they take a long time to do it and it's also costly, um, that's just not a real viable solution when it comes to mainstream adoption. So there's plenty of statistics. Uh, anybody can go out there and, and just type up, you know, the the Bitcoin uh, blockchain. Bitcoin's wonderful, by the way, in many different ways. But in terms of energy consumption, it's one thing that certainly people have uh, serious concerns about, as they as they should. So um, that hashing power to add that next block is is really, uh, you know, can be um, one of those areas that you want to look at. And so we want to make sure that the blockchain that we're using for enterprise adoption or government adoption, any mass adoption, it needs to be, uh, as I mentioned, secure. 
got to be scalable. So you need to have be able to process, you know, a good amount of transactions per second, for example. And then you you want to make sure that it's not centralized because the, the really one of the, the big points here uh, in terms of legacy systems um, is the architecture is centralized. And when it's centralized, it leads to potential problems, uh, one of which is uh, there could be potentially fraud. There can be lots of errors. Um, right, commented earlier like that anyone can come in and change it because there's only one source of data. So exactly. So if you have an Excel spreadsheet and you go in there, I can open it up and manipulate it or do whatever and then save it, right? But blockchains are append only, so you can you know basically add that next block, but you can't go in there and, and manipulate it once it's been uh, the, there's been consensus on that adding that block. So that's what uh, GoChain is all about. We've created what we believe is this right balance amongst these three different variables. And it's a, a enterprise-focused uh, uh, type of blockchain solution, and so that's uh, how we've developed a company and our consensus. And we built basically solutions and applications around our GoChain ecosystem. I'm curious, and this is going to show my ignorance when it comes to information technology <laughs> and data and everything. But I'm curious how, like, what the longevity of these blocks are. Because I, you know, it's it's hard. It's really hard for me to wrap my mind around this because I went to school to study fish, and I'm so gonna this say is perpetual. Not, so, <laughs> like, it, it, will it just last forever? Like, once these chains are like the, as they get longer and longer and more more complex, um, pretty much. Will will you yeah. will those first few blocks still exist? Yeah. Oh yeah. And and yeah. where do they exist? Where is the? I mean, how is that store? I just I have no idea how, what happens all, in the in, yeah, it's always in the matrix. To kind of grasp all this, yeah, the matrix exactly. It is a little <laughs> hard to grasp all this because of the decentralized nature of the blockchain. It's hard for people to kind of get well. Where exactly is it? Well, it's right. distributed over all these computers that are part of the particular system, the particular network, whatever this blockchain is. So like. Earlier, I had mentioned the Ethereum blockchain. That's one of the blockchains um, that's used for like smart contracts and stuff like we do, like we would probably use it for. Um, now, is there a fee, Paul, for that? Because I think yeah, I, I got into uh, a, uh, how do you pronounce it? Ethereum? Did I pronounce Ethereum. it right? Ethereum. There was a Major League Baseball develop, uh, Lucid, I don't know what it's, Lucid Sites had a MLB crypto app where you could use cryptocurrency to purchase characters that would pl that you could match to live um, baseball games, which interests me just because I'm a huge fanatic of Major League Baseball. Uh, but anytime I made a transaction to officially stamp or purchase something within this Ethereum, there was, I think they called it like a, a gas fee. And is that specific to Ethereum contracts or all of blockchain? And I don't even know what gas stands for. I just knew that I was getting charged like this tiny little amount. And actually, it changed based off how many I don't, people I don't were know. doing I'll, it. Or... Yeah, I, I don't know. That was There's, It all depends on how the network is set up. So there are different types of charges that can exist depending on how it's done. So the first thing you got to ha have to kind of understand is there's two main ways to set up a blockchain. And so one is called proof of work and one is called proof of stake. So proof of work is when you have like tens of thousands of computers and they all have to build this consensus and so forth. And they use a lot of energy to do this because they have to solve an almost impossible to solve problem. And the reason why it's impossible to solve is the point of it is, is that it needs to take a really long time 
to solve. <laughs> this is kind of a very strange part of this, but this is how um, you do proof of work. So all these companies are using a lot of energy, like Henry pointed out earlier, and that's costing them in electricity, and they're trying to pass that cost back off to you. Gotcha. Um, then there's proof of stake. So proof of stake is more about, um, and this is what we wanted to do for our blockchain, and this was our intention. Um, it's more about bringing in companies and or people um, that you have a certain level of trust with. And so they're going to be able to close a block. You could have just five or six companies or whatever that are able to close that block because you trust them. So if you were to, for instance, in our case, we were thinking about, well, we could bring in some other uh, nonprofits that are in the same basic business, the seafood business, and have them all be um, the companies that build this consensus to close a block. And then there's no real cost to it because they're just saying, yes, we're going to close this block. We don't have to solve some crazy equation and all that. And the energy level goes down and the cost becomes, you know, nothing, basically. Negligent, yeah. Yeah. So um, Henry could probably touch on that more than... Yeah, I would just, you know, add a little bit there is that so um, I think, Paul, what, what you're describing as well, I would probably characterize a little differently in the, in the latter point is that it's something that we actually try to define uh, our consensus around proof of authority. And so when I think of proof of stake, it's really about having an economic stake. So it could be if there's That's a native true. coin or token um, and you hold a, a huge share of that and you're staking that. Um, you are able to have greater participa participation and, and ability to re get rewarded uh, for processing um, blocks on that blockchain. Um, proof of authority is something very much ingrained in what we're doing at GoChain. And that's essentially having exactly as Paul described is that you have um, organizations, could be NGOs, um, Fortune 500 companies, but these are highly reputable organizations. They stake their reputation essentially um, on that blockchain, and they're responsible sort of as the governance uh, point of it to process blocks. And they have a vested interest in not only do they believe in that protocol, but their their domain expertise in business is not blockchain. It's, it's something else. But they see the, the applicability of blockchain and specifically that protocol. And they, they again, they use their reputation as a, as a stake to be a part of that uh, ecosystem, and they actually help process the block. So that is actually how we do it um, at GoChain, and that is also the, the consensus that I was touching uh, on earlier. And we believe that's highly important because there are bad actors um, in blockchain, and, uh, you know, the, in any industry really. But there are bad actors, and, and you really want to have the right organizations, uh, people to participate in your ecosystem to make sure uh, it's doing the right thing. So. I thank you for clarifying <laughs> proof of authority. Yeah. It shows you what happens when you haven't done it in two years. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no worries. No. <laughs> so when you say like people can hack into the system and you have to make sure that you have good actors within your ecosystem, does that mean that the only people, and this is again coming from someone who knows next to nothing about IT, the only people that will have access to your blockchain of data is the people that you share it with. And those are the only computers that will be on there and you're not storing it in some cloud system where anybody can access it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, go ahead, Paul. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't want to interject, but yes, I mean, that's essentially correct. And, and, you know, you're talking about Henry's, Henry's system uh, in particular, but yes. So there's the only computers are allowed to interact with your system are those ones that you've chosen. And so it is secure as far as the actors that belong to that company. 
So that's something you always have to think about. There's always, as Henry pointed out, there's always bad actors. Sometimes those are, you know, external companies trying to break into networks and those kinds of things. That's one thing. But you mm. can always have, you know, an employee who goes rogue and does something, you know, terrible at a company. It's just far, far less likely that that sort of thing is going to happen. Yeah. That makes and will sense. it have less of an impact if that does happen? or Not really. It'll the have idea? the same impact. It depends on what they were trying to do. So, you know, I would venture to say that there's far less reason to have bad actors, for instance, in the seafood industry. If you, like Henry said, he puts together uh, a bunch of authorities who he can trust to be involved in this. And their their stake is more in the success of the system and how it um, helps their businesses also be successful. And so they don't have any reason to really change the blockchain. Changing it would probably hurt their business, cost them money, and so on and so forth. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what you're trying to do. Yeah. That would be pretty exactly. underhanded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so reputation. Significantly yeah, damages reputation. or reputation, exactly. And then, what you know, if they lose trust in today's world, everybody's looking for trust, and it's at all kinds of different levels. That's why uh, transparency and traceability is so important all of a sudden, because not only does a buyer, you know, in the grocery store think, geez, I would really like, and I don't mean the buyer for the grocery store, excuse me, but a consumer, I would really like to understand where my fish came from. And I might want to like feel good movie where I can see the farmer and I kind of understand. And I feel like I'm getting the quality of product that I expect and that the animals have been treated well and all that. But then there's also more like the food safety concerns that the company itself is worried about. Like if something happens and someone gets uh, food poisoning or something, how do we trace that back and find out what lot it came from and get the rest of it off the shelves and all that. So there's many different levels where traceability um, are important in uh, all industries, of course, but in seafood in particular. Yeah, yeah so this that, could- was, that was going to be my next question is what are some like tangible examples of how blockchain can be used to benefit anyone in the supply chain? So either a producer or a consumer or grocery store owner, how can it be used like in an example that our audience can understand? Yeah, so it, it could potentially help with recalls, right? Like instead of doing a mass recall where they can mm-hmm. say any tuna product coming out of this specific company from you know September to April like needs to be pulled from the shelves or anything like that like a, a massive you can prevent those massive recalls if you can more yes finitely identify the sources of what's causing that and recall it goes both ways because you can better identify it you can also say where else did it go where did it go pain? what mm. other grocery stores may have picked up on the same lots that are going out there rather than just saying it's all products you know between July 1st and whatever, that's that's not nearly as uh, a good way to do it. But I think um, Henry can probably talk to, can kind of answer this question a lot better than I can. Well, I would just simply add that. So one thing is to be have that level of granularity to see where the point of contamination or whatever might have happened. But the other part I would add is the speed. So when you're using a distributed ledger or a blockchain, you're actually able to get almost near real-time insights. And so if you're talking about you know, food contamination or, or some disease, you really want to be able to have a call to action and move very quickly. And so having that uh, transparency and granularity of data is, is really important, especially when we're talking about uh, food. Um, and the other example, and Manny, this goes to your question, I wanted to just uh, to give, because I think it's actually a really good example. Uh, one of the companies that we're working with right now is called Two Hands. 
And um, Two Hands is an Australian company. Um, they've essentially created a digital marketplace. That's uh, their their objective. And in, in this digital marketplace is powered by blockchain. Is connecting the fishers directly to the the buyers or uh, and consumers. So in this case, it'd be like chefs and, and hotels, um, and then and the consumers obviously when when they're at these um, restaurants. And by using blockchain and having that traceability system, they've actually been able to do a few things, which is which is really really great. One is that, of course, they've disintermediated all a lot of these middlemen and brokers. That takes away a lot of uh, beyond time um, and trans and transparency issues, right? Um, there's also the cost issue. So um, the fisher in this case is now able to make more money and they have better livelihoods because they're. They're, you know, there's getting rid of a lot of these middlemen, so that's great. That improves their 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 livability, their standing, and the chefs actually they have a direct relationship with the fisher, which is wonderful because now they actually know who they're originating their proteins from, um, and then the quality of the food is super important. So if you're in a uh, obviously the food quality, you have to have that when you're at a restaurant or a hotel, and then consumers. I think um, Paul used the example earlier is that they're able to essentially scan using whatever their smartphone device. They can see who the fisher was when it was netted. Um, they can see that chain, chain of custody and then all the way to the, the restaurant. So in this case, you've got a social impact. You've got improved margins or ROI, and you've got greater transparency and, and uh, disintermediation in that supply chain. So it really hits so many different things. And I think that's, that's the type of things that we want to see happen more and more uh, via the use of blockchain technology. So do you think that what's holding the seafood industry back from diving headfirst into this is lack of education and cost. Do you think those are kind of the two biggest things? Yeah, well, Paul touched on it earlier. I mean, if you can't get ROI or if you're a small scale fisher, how are you going to be incentivized to go out and pay for some system, particularly if you have to build it? That's It's just not economically feasible. Um, right. And then I think there needs to be the demand. So if the consumers don't demand it, um, you know, producers or companies aren't going to spend that incremental dollar to do it, right? So um, there needs to be a tipping point there. And I think we're starting to see that. I think we're starting to see that consumers are not only demanding it, they're willing to pay more for it. So the ROI is there. Economics are coming down, which is great. And um, so this is these are the kind of, uh, I think, catalysts that need to happen in order for us to move towards that direction. I think it's also important to just note very quickly that, you know, the software around this whole idea of blockchain is really just coming into fruition. So it's been a couple of years where it's been out there and there's been a lot of discussions of how it works in different uh, types of supply chains, whether that's, you know, a different protein or it's, you know, clothing or whatever it is and how, how we apply it and the best ways to go about it. And so out of that have come, have grown up a lot of really great companies that are producing really wonderful traceability solutions. And now we just have to sort of convince the world that, you know, it's it's not only essential, but it's going to happen. You're all going to be using traceability software eventually. Right. Well, a lot of these companies, like the big companies, like the Walmarts and, you know, the, the really big grocery retailers are make starting to make commitments. You know, we spoke with uh, some folks over in Japan and they were talking about how once a company makes a public statement that they're committed to something like a sustainability initiative or something like that, it is expected that they follow through on that and that they walk the walk and don't just talk the talk. And these bigger companies are starting to make these sustainability commitments. And the problem that we've seen with it is you can't always trust the supply chains because... Some companies just don't even know who is in their supply chain, who 
who is involved in the you know the different processes of, of a product as before it gets to them. So I would it's think that this is difficult at a lot of levels because don't forget that yeah. we have a lot of farmers and stuff who are just single farmers out there. So there's some mm-hmm. guy out there whose family raises shrimp, and you know they're not connected to some giant supply chain per se, but more that they sell it into supply chains and they're very small and they can't afford, you know, really high expensive software solutions to mm-hmm. uh, trace what they're doing. And so a lot of it kind of gets put on the plants because of that. So the plants are holding up the traceability in for those farmers, if you will. And so how do we get around that? That's a very good question. I don't know that I have <laughs> that's a That's the next step, right? Go <laughs> chain. I think like I every... <laughs> Yeah. No change. Well, Sean, I mean, so, I mean, this is the reason why, and that, that we created GoTrace, right? Because GoTrace, so GoTrace is a, we just launched this product last week. It's a full turnkey SaaS solution, uh, all blockchain based track and trace. So now it's, and it's, it's multi tiered. So it's developed and designed really for any company, any size. So if you're, uh, small-scale fisher, you know, single farmer, all the way to uh, multinational enterprise with a portfolio of assets. Now you can kind of adopt this SaaS platform and use whatever tier you need to have a blockchain track and trace. This is something that we think is super important. Again, with the notion of adoption and then specifically about transparent supply chains and sustainability, this is something that we believe very strongly in, which is why the team has done a wonderful job to build this product and we were really excited to launch it. And so we've, we've got a tremendous amount of demand right now. And in lots of companies, again, they didn't even think blockchain was feasible because they didn't have the internal resources and they couldn't afford to go pay for blockchain solutions, um, develop it. Um, now they, they don't need to. Now they essentially can just go sign up uh, in, a, in a subscription turnkey SaaS way. And now they've got a blockchain track and trade solution. That, so that was a really big impetus for us to develop this product and get it deployed for, for everyday use. That's great. I'm so That's glad fantastic. that that worked out. I wanted to. I really wanted to get a chance for you to talk about the that product. Yeah, I kept circling um, it. I was like, we need to get to this. Need to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if a company that you know, if someone from our listener base has a company or works at a company that may be interested in in utilizing Go Trace or Go Chain, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to like? What are the steps that they should take to to start that process? Great. So because I think it could be a really big. Oh, big it, difference it, in, it's in super easy, right? So you just go to our website, gochain.io. There, you just click on GoTrace. Once you're on the GoTrace site, it um, gives you all the information you need, and you can immediately step in for a trial. Um, so we were, we're very proud of this product and encouraging everybody, go try it. And it's really easy and intuitive uh, for uh, anyone to go essentially map out their supply chain. And um, you start by when you start mapping it out, you, you define your assets and your supply chain, and then you just invite uh, the different participants in your supply chain to participate and be part of that track and trace solution. Um, you would manage the, uh, the, the platform and administer your supply chain, uh, but then you have different players that you give uh, access to, uh, to every point of the chain of custody. And when you're done, hopefully you have end-to-end provenance using a blockchain track and trace solution. And so this first iteration that we've come out is entirely uh, mobile-based. As long as you've got a mobile device, you're ready to go. So that's really simple. And we did this with the mind of, again, uh, it could be any size enterprise. And we're, we're doing a lot of discussions right now with uh, small-scale uh, fishers and farmers. Uh, maybe you're a small-scale fisher who's on a FIPS and you want to or you want to do group track and trace, uh, chain of custody certification. 
any of these kind of elements, um, we want to be able to encourage them and provide them uh, economic-friendly incentives and, and opportunities to be able to use the platform. That's really great. And all the links that you mentioned will be in our show notes as well. So any of our listeners, yep. if they don't want to open up another browser and do all that, they can go right to the show notes and get some easy access to all that stuff. And I was thinking when we were talking about how cost can be somewhat prohibitive with blockchain, especially in the use of smaller scale fishers and farmers, that as any technology develops, it becomes more widespread, there's more people getting in on it, and the cost tends to go down. And it seems like that's finally starting to happen. Like we're just at the point where it's just starting to happen with blockchain. I think it's really changing too, because um, just like the GoChain products are using the proof of authority, that changes the game a lot. So when Mm -hmm. you're talking about the Bitcoins of the world and stuff like that, it's all about the current energy costs. And so you think of it as coming down, but it doesn't necessarily come down. It kind of fluctuates around costs um, in the system. Uh, But that's really not true for proof of authority because, you know, it doesn't cost that much money to run a computer and have it do one little thing. So... Yeah, absolutely. And the, what, the other piece I'd like to throw in there too is that, and now I'll, I'll jump jump back in a little bit on the, the cryptocurrency world, is that there's a lot of really uh, interesting microfinance innovation that's happening in this space, whether it be microloans, uh, peer-to-peer lending. Um, these kind of things uh, create all sorts of new opportunities uh, to get people in the game, to be inclusive. And that really, you know, at the heart of a lot of this technology is democratization and inclusivity, right? And so, if you're an unbanked uh, person or a marginalized community, now, uh, if you talk about uh, cryptocurrencies, a lot of this community is looking for novel microfinance ways to include these people um, to use this technology, right? And so I think this is one of the great promises for blockchain and cryptocurrencies is to really get everyone in the game using this technology and get them included in uh, everyday day-to-day existence uh, through other, uh, whether it be banking systems or really any way to get them more included uh, and be a part of the community. And so I think this is another piece that's happening right now with companies uh, all around the world. It really does seem like it's just going to be the default in years to come. I mean, there's nothing that compares to it, right? I think with things like the GoTrace and these other programs that can help people get involved in an easy way, I think that's definitely the way to go about doing it. So any of our listeners out there that have been toying with the idea of, of, getting into this game, I strongly recommend you go check out the the GoChain and the GoTrace website because it sounds like it's really easy. And if you're like me and are terrified of anything that has to do with computers or internets or, or <laughs> websites or anything Internet. digital, um, <laughs> um, you know, if, if that, if that causes anxiety and stresses you out and you feel like it's holding you back from achieving your company's goals, um, look into it because it sounds like it's starting to become very approachable and easily accessed by anyone who could benefit from it. And I, yeah, and I, I would want... definitely make the point to say that, you know, it seems daunting when you first start learning about blockchain, especially you just do a couple searches and you find some random information might be really technical or it's just about a particular industry and it's a, just a conversation about something. Um, and learning more about what it really is and getting good examples, just you know, just to tout my own again, you know, having this selfie network or whatever it is, where people can kind of grasp the overall idea of what it is. I think that is actually it's becoming more common that you can go out on the internet today and you can find really good explanations of what the blockchain is. And once you grasp it, it's really not that difficult to understand. But even more importantly, 
just knowing that you have this um, cryptographically secure system built under the technology, technology you're using for your traceability system is what's important. So having some faith that the people who are uh, touting blockchain actually know what they're talking about and that um, you know more and more of these traceability systems are all based on blockchain. The blockchain is the underlying sort of data system, almost like what we used to you know, refer to as the database behind it should make you feel more comfortable about just learning what the traceability software itself can do for you. What is traceability? Why is it important to you? Why is it important to uh, companies at all levels of the supply chain? You know, what value does it bring to you and so forth and learn about that. And then just have a little bit of faith that underneath it all is this blockchain that you can learn about as you go. And there may be a point, I mean, we we can't project the future, but uh, right now I think you, see you can't a lot predict of, the future with those glasses? Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold back my comments. No. Uh, <laughs> we see any company that's u- utilizing the blockchain technology is proud to say, hey, we, we have a really secure network that's, that's running through this blockchain technology. And, and I just wonder if in the future, if it becomes such the norm that you no longer are even announcing that blockchain is what you're using as a security measure. This is just what everyone is doing because of how secure it really is. And the technology is continuing to advance. I mean, it started what, like a decade ago, it just for Bitcoin. So it's come a long ways and it's starting to be something that almost everyone has heard at some point in a conversation. So it'd be interesting to see what ends up happening in the coming years. Yeah, at one point it'll just be sort of one of the parameters of your application. Mm-hmm. What's the underlying technology? Blockchain or whatever, but it will just, you know, it'll be a footnote because it'll just be kind of expected that it's based yeah, on blockchain. Like it'll yeah. be assumed by everyone. Like, of course it's blockchain. <laughs> I think that'll happen sooner than people think too. It seems like it's moving ahead pretty rapidly now in the last year or so. Henry, do you are you working with any customers that are in the seafood industry that you know of? Or are you just kind of starting to dip your feet in? Well, two hands, but is there anyone else? Yeah, no, I would say two hands is our real first customer and pilot on GoTrace right now. We are in a lot of active discussions. And of course, we work in the broader community, like with Conservation International. Um, so we are very much focused um, on the seafood industry, uh, fishery, uh, aquaculture, and, and the sustainability side of it. And so GoTrace is really was the next step for us is to get this product deployment out now. Um, and then we've Bunch, basically got a bunch of pilots that we're about to sort of roll out on in various different sectors. So it's not just seafood. Yeah. Um, we're looking, obviously, farming um, things, uh, commodities, right? Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're looking at all the industries right now. But I would say at least on the seafood side, uh, Two Hands is really our, our first uh, sort of foray into the space and pilot uh, on GoTrade. Awesome. I have one more question because I'm still, as we're talking through this whole thing, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how it all works. Um, <laughs> uh, Paul has had many long conversations with me trying to figure out how something Paul's given uh, up digital works so he's he he, he probably I'm his life does. coach yeah basically <laughs> my my virtual life coach um so i understand the idea of if someone wants to kind of screw up things in a blockchain and and get in there and hack it that it's really really difficult to make a change to change a block and then you'd have to change all the blocks that come after that, correct? Yes. Is it possible that someone can just go into like a system and just start adding a bunch of random false blocks? Will that like mess things up? Everything has to be approved, I would think. So 
Yeah, it's I'm a, answering yeah, like an expert. Issue. I have no idea. You are yeah. an expert. It's kind <laughs> of the same issue, though. It's you know who can make a block on the chain. So that's all you know. That has to do with that proof of work, proof of authority, proof of stake. And yeah. So okay. Only they can what's called close a block. So some anyone that can kind of make a block, but whether it gets closed or not, it's up to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. One thing I'd add too is that so the, the term that they like to throw around is is these blockchains need to be fault tolerant. So basically, if you have a node, and I'm sorry, what? Up, uh, well, <laughs> fault yeah, tolerant, fault tolerant yeah, to be exact. There it is. There it is. <laughs> um, but but more more simply is that if if the system sees a node that isn't playing right with the rest of the system, right? That the information doesn't match. It's not in consensus with the rest of the blockchain. It really will discard it. And okay. it won't allow that node really to operate, but the system itself, it, the integrity remains intact. So the blockchain is still fine. Uh, all, all the nodes are in consensus, but the one that sort of is is out of sync, that's going to be discarded. And so it won't uh, impair the ability for the blockchain to function. It needs to be able to be self-sustainable. And uh, th- this is a really important element for all blockchain. Very cool. Awesome. Well, we're just, just about out of time. Confusing, I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No, I'm good. I'm I'm caught up. Um, <laughs> Henry, while you have this platform, I mean, is there anything else that you want to get out uh, out there to our listeners before we uh, before we finish up? No, no. Listen, it's, it's great to, to to be in the, the conversation, uh, the dialogue, and uh, you know, we're just super excited. Uh, you know, technology is a tool, right? And we're just so encouraging everybody to explore the use of this blockchain technology, and more specifically, GoChain and the GoTrace platform. So, if you're at all in the enterprise space uh, looking for a robust track and trace solution that's turnkey, then do please come to our website and check it out. And I think you're going to find it's going to be a wonderful solution to, to complement uh, your existing systems and, and technology. Yeah, if anybody out there wants to get in contact with Henry or, or someone else at uh, GoChain, just send us an email, podcast at aquaculturealliance.org, and we can make those connections for you uh, as well if you if you have trouble kind of getting started. Paul, anything else you want to get out there before uh, before we sign off? Um, I would just say again that you know I would look at what what is the... Um problems I'm trying to solve with my company, you know, am I trying to get really great traceability or transparency through different aspects of my supply chain? And that should lead you to software products such as GoChain that can really help you. And then you can start to understand how blockchain supports that and how it secures it as you learn more about this the traceability products. Awesome. Justin, Maddie, you guys have anything else? No, this is this is a great conversation. I was learned a lot from it. And uh, I think that it's really going to turn some of that traceability and security in the seafood industry just a whole new level. So it's really exciting to see where this is going to go down the road. Well, currently, yeah, thank and you both for your time. This has been super interesting to hear about. And I feel like I... I can talk to other people about blockchain now. Now I don't just understand it. Like I can, I can talk about it now. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, Henry again, and Paul, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we wish you Henry the best and Paul, we'll talk to you soon. Folks, that was our conversation with Henry and Paul about all things blockchain. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you learned something. I know I learned a whole lot and I'm still learning. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around everything and and get an idea of how this all works. Clearly, Maddie and Justin, you guys understand it much better than I did. 
um, you grabbed onto it pretty pretty quickly. But I think it was a great conversation, and I think it's something that everyone in this industry needs to start looking into because I think, like we said, it's going to become the norm. Yeah, I think that if it doesn't seem relevant to you right now, it's going to be relevant for you within the next five to ten years. So Jump it's on good now. to be ahead of the curve and learn about it now. Yeah, you may find that this, what company you're working for may end up utilizing this type of software without you even realizing it, or maybe you already do, mm. um, depending on what your position is in your company. You know, it, it might be something that your company is already doing. So take a look into it because it's, it's really good to have that security and that peace of mind to know that your data is accurate and safe. So I think it's going to be pretty revolutionary when you look at all of the uh, security softwares that have been utilized over the years. So thank you so much for joining us. And if you want to get in contact with us, shoot us an email, podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. Follow us on social at Aquademia Pod. Make sure if you like what you're listening to, to leave us a nice review and rate us five stars. We really want your feedback. We appreciate it when you do leave it. And that's just one way that we can get our information out to a wider audience. And make sure you subscribe to us on whatever platform you use to listen to us. That's right. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you next time. Ciao. Bye. Bye.